0: Hey, this is episode five of Back to Normal. Today is August 27th, 2020, and here we go. Today I want to talk about the proper funding of education. And uh, this comes from a conversation that I had yesterday. Uh, My wife is a teacher, so we talk a lot about schools and education and how things could potentially be improved. And uh, I kind of wanted to walk through some of what we've been talking about and the the idea that funding education properly has to be the way that it has been in, uh, specifically I'm talking about in Ontario, um, has to be the way that it has been for good reasons and not just because of choices that have been made. And um, one of the, there's a few kind of really obvious things that make it clear to me that That we can fund education better um so we'll talk a little bit about those and uh i also want to talk about some of the classic signs that i see uh all the time with my wife being a teacher that uh kind of red flags to me that yeah education is not being funded properly um i want to point out that the changes that i'm suggesting and that i'm going to talk about today are not easy changes And they're not going to happen quickly. This is kind of a generational change. But I think um, making the decision to put that investment in now will pay dividends in the future, like 20 years from now, if the education system has been completely changed because we funded it properly, um, I think that will be will have been massively worth it. So talking about red flags, Um, the first one that I want to talk about is we have a lot Our city, the city of Ottawa has grown a lot and I don't think we've really seen um, the number of schools grow to keep up with it. And one of the symptoms that I think comes out of that is that class sizes are just, they're just massive. And I'm not saying this isn't necessarily a new thing. Like I think obviously new schools are being built, but I just think that we are okay as a society, as a city and and a province with class sizes being way too big, and I don't think the kind of education you can get from a classroom with 30 kids in it is the same as one that you can get with, say, 10 or 15. Like, if I want to use round numbers here, if, if 30 is a baseline for a class that I consider way too big with one or even two teachers, but I think usually just one, especially in the higher grades, um, trying to, like, a teacher teaching a lesson to 30 kids is fine. Like, as I've seen in university, um, a teacher teaching... 400 kids in a university class like the lesson part isn't the problem it's after that it's once the lesson is done um for any kid who is struggling or who doesn't get it or who needs more attention in a university class they have tas to support um support the teacher because obviously the teacher can't help the, or the professor whoever whatever their title is can't help 400 kids like that's just that is inherently obvious and so they're teaching assistants that actually help with that but in schools even though you're down to 30 people, which is much more manageable than 400, there's still kind of, to me, an obvious imbalance in the amount of time a teacher can spend with each student that needs it. And it just, it comes down to the fact that teachers can't dedicate the amount of time that they need to for kids that need it. I mean, it's it really comes down to something as simple as that. And what happens is, that uh, I talked about this um, a couple of episodes ago, is that the kids that do the worst or who are performing the worst, can't keep up with the kids that are kind of, that don't need as much help. And honestly, I really think we would do a lot to battle inequity in our society if we were willing to invest more in those kids that needed help. Um, Another big red flag that I always think about and always um, talk about when it comes to teaching is the fact that teachers have to buy classroom supplies for their own rooms? They basically get no actual budget from the school in order to fill their classroom, and they're expected to um, they're expected to put their own money into these resources, which is which becomes weirdly enough a tax write off. Like that, that's such a weird system um, that teachers can don't have to pay tax on money that they put into their own classrooms, um, and this means that brand new teachers starting out. Like Basically, brand new teachers who've usually never worked a job like that, They've, they're they just starting out their career, have to buy things like books for their classroom. If they want their classroom to have books, they have to buy the things that go up on the walls, all the decorations, all the, the little signs and posters and stuff that you see in good classrooms have all come from the teacher. If we were funding education properly, every classroom would come with that stuff or there would be a central spot in the school where you'd be able to go and pick that stuff up um another thing that teachers spend their money on that i don't think a lot of people realize is things like resources so the worksheets and stuff that your student that your child brings home uh, or things that they work on in class those there are sometimes like the 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 i guess ministry of education does provide some resources but um a lot of teachers have to end up if they want to have these lessons and don't want to have to create everything from scratch, um, which, uh, if you think they have time to do that, I don't know where you think they get it. Um, if they want to have these resources, these worksheets and and exercises for kids to do, they're having to buy these packages themselves. And, and there are resources, there are online resources for teachers to be able to find that. And I think that that's just such a weird, um, that's just such a weird thing to have to put on teachers. Like the system should obviously be built. Like um, it, it, I can compare it to my life, my brief life in academia, where when you would go to um, when you're working in a lab uh, doing research, whatever, doing um, academic research, it would be like if you're doing your research paper or working on your your research or whatever, doing research uh, on background and you go to. Um, access research papers to look up like the the history of what you're working on and trying to build on that and finding that you have to pay yourself for each paper that you want to read and and download uh, it just doesn't make any sense obviously what makes more sense and what happens is that the universities pay for subscriptions to the journals and then all the students all the professors all everybody that works with the university that works in academia can access those journals the paid journals thing is a whole other episode that i'm not going to get into but can you imagine the system if you were forcing grad students to buy their own journal articles it just doesn't make any sense similarly um, it doesn't make any sense that teachers have to buy their own resources if they want to provide kind of the best education experience possible or if they want don't want to spend all their time literally all their time they're not getting paid an infinite amount Um, making their own resources from scratch it just doesn't it just doesn't work Um, so all of that to me shows that schools are horribly unfunded and i think the answer which again is neither easy nor fast is to build more schools and make it an aspiration to have smaller class sizes be the rule um when you get to when you get to a point that you have, that you pass 15 students in a class, when you pass 20 students in a class, make that the point when you break the class up into smaller classes. Um, this is already something that happens. It just happens with these gigantic numbers of students. And so you end up with, um, because because it's not actually a hard and fast rule, um, I don't actually know what the limit of, of students in, in some of the bigger classes are, the, the higher grades, but Like in Alberta, when I was growing up, I would have classes with 30, 35 students. And you're just like, you're packed into these classrooms that aren't actually big enough for you. Um, Not to mention the fact that we're in a global pandemic and trying to reopen those same schools, those same classrooms overstuffed with kids. Um, Even in normal times, the reason that schools are cesspools for germs and all that kind of stuff, that's a very well-known thing that kids who go to school get sick all the time. Um, the reason for that is that they are stuffed into these tiny classrooms, like over stuffed into these tiny classrooms and have no ability to keep apart from one another. Um, it's It's such an interesting topic to discuss because um, a lot of people are really hesitant to spend more money on education um, because it it it's not an easy win. It's not an easy answer. You can't just throw money at this problem and have it go away um, even if you want to it's going to take like you can't just have buildings appear out of thin air you have to invest in them and you have to find the land for it you have to you know there's a lot of steps it's going to take years potentially a decade or two to actually get school buildings to the level where you can um, where you can actually have this proper actual good ratio of kids To teachers in classrooms and the most interesting part about this to me is the fact that teachers teachers are people to me that obviously nobody becomes a teacher because um, they don't want to do anything else it's not something that you fall back into Um, teachers come into the system loving teaching and the system it really seems like grinds that love out of you by squeezing every last ounce of your energy and every last ounce of your, you know, mental health out of you until you're, you're basically just resigned to having to do not necessarily the bare minimum. I'm not saying that, that teachers get ground right down to a point like that, but it can happen. Like teachers burn out all the time. And I think that putting the welfare of teachers and students ahead of you know, funding other priorities seems like a really obvious thing to me. It's not like it's not like governments are hurting for money. And I think um, what we're what we're finding during this pandemic is that the the critical nature of education as a tool that enables families to work, especially both parents, um, really kind of makes it an obvious. Equality and equity win for everybody if if schools are properly funded and they're you know they're safe places to send kids where um, you can have more confidence that they're actually they actually have a good chance of getting a solid education and allow both their parents to work um, really comes down to it a lot of a lot of parents and this is becoming increasingly clear. Um, As we go further and further into this pandemic situation, um, a lot of parents are finding, hey, my kid is kind of a nightmare when they're just at home all the time. Um, Spoiler alert, your kid is always a nightmare and you're just seeing it because now you have to spend a lot of time with them. Um, A lot of parents think of schools as daycares, a place where I can send my kid during the day. And that's just not what they are. They that is turning out to be a really great side benefit is that both parents are able to work. Um, We're not in the situation that we were in um, 30 or 40 years ago when basically one parent, usually the woman, had to take uh, had to not work in order to make this whole system work. Um, Parents should be able to have somebody somewhere that they're confident sending their kids during the day so that they can both work. Um, But that's not the actual main purpose of school. The main purpose of schools is to give your kids a good education and that's not free. And I think that we should be able to recognize that and be willing to basically tax whatever it takes in order to make that happen. And like I said, that's not going to make more schools magically appear tomorrow. It's not going to save us this September. But if we had done this 10 or 15 years ago, um, I think schools could reopen really safely right now instead of having to scramble and, I actually don't know. They just push schools opening back a week. I don't actually know when schools are going to open. This, it's kind of this open question um, whether they're just going to keep getting pushed back um, or whether more changes are going to be made. Eventually, we'll come to us to a kind of midpoint where safety and um, the realities of actually needing schools to be open come to a point here, but um, we're not there yet, and honestly it seems to me that it's very obvious that the solution here during the short term is to fund schools better fund education better but also the long-term solution here is fund schools better you it's just kind of an obvious win-win situation here and that it's obviously worth the money that's all i'm going to say for today thanks for listening and talk to you next time bye